Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us from home this morning. If we can't be together in person, this is uh, absolutely the next best thing. I appreciate the message that uh, Ed has brought to us the last two weeks, and I'm excited uh, to be delivering uh, the word this morning. So here's what I would love for us to do before we get started. Uh, I would love it if you would drop into the comments and say hello. Let us know that you're watching. Let us know uh, where you're watching. Uh, If you haven't already done that, that would be great. Uh, And then my second challenge is this. Once you start to see those comments come in, uh, I want you to respond to somebody. Give them an encouraging hello. Uh, Let them know that you miss them. Uh, Let's remember that while we're apart, we can still practice many of the one another's that we see in scripture. So I'm gonna pause for just a moment and I'm gonna let you do that because I think it's important that we remember we're community. I bet many of you didn't think I was actually gonna pause, but it's what I do. Uh, So we're gonna open up the word today and we're gonna spend some time in Mark. But before we do that, would you join me in prayer? As we've, uh, we've already worshiped, uh, we're gonna continue in worship, but join me in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, you are good and you are in control. Lord, in the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of things going up and down uh, with our economy and the world economy, God, it can be easy to become overwhelmed. It can become easy to lose sight of who you are and what you've done for us. But Lord, would today and each time we gather be just a a great reminder that you are are over it all, that you're not surprised by anything that's happened, that you aren't gonna be surprised by what's to happen next, and and that you are truly working things together for our good, not so that we would uh, have an easy life, but so that we would look more and more like your son. So Father, would we lean into that promise as we move through these next weeks? And would we be reminded of it even today as we listen to your word? Be with us as we uh, begin to uh, open your word. Would I divide it rightly? And God, would you absolutely use my words to speak for yourself? Would they not be mine, but would they be exactly what you would have for me to say? So be with us as we continue. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. And this morning, like I said, we're going to be in Mark Uh, We're going to look at just eight verses, and uh, that's actually a little bit strange for us. We tend to cover pretty big chunks of Mark's gospel, but this morning we get a chance to slow down and be reminded of a foundational truth of Jesus' ministry. And in turn, we will see part of our own mission and ministry uh, for us here on earth. So turn to Mark 9, verses 30 through 37, and here's what it says. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him, and they went to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? 
But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arm, he said to them, whoever receives such a child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So in the text Uh, we read, uh, we're picking up after two pretty major events in the gospel account from Mark. And, And these events are revealing much about who Jesus was, about who he was as Messiah. And the first event is the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountaintop. And three of the disciples saw that. And then the other nine disciples, uh, as they come down from the mountain, uh, are trying to cast out a demon, and they can't. And they watch Jesus cast the demon out. And in both cases, the disciples are being reminded that Jesus is more than just a man. He is the Messiah. The first event showed the glory of, of God through Jesus, and the second was a reminder of his power here on earth. And then the next recorded words from Jesus go to reinforce the fact that he is Messiah. You see, Jesus predicts his death, burial, and resurrection again. And in the process of this prediction, in the process of this prophecy, he uses his favorite title for himself. He calls himself the Son of Man. And he uses this title a total of 77 times in the Gospels. It's used only three more times in the rest of the New Testament. So Jesus clearly favored this title for himself. You see, and the title and its placement is important because for the Jewish listener, then and even now, it would have reminded them of the prophets Ezekiel and Daniel. You see, both prophets use the title to describe the Messiah, but both have a slightly different flavor You see, Daniel highlights the divine nature the Son of Man would have, whereas Ezekiel tends to emphasize his humility and low status among the people. So as Jesus uses it throughout his time on earth, he's drawing out the fullness of the title. Here is the one who has authority over all things, the one who Daniel talked about, the one who was given power over everything in all of creation. And yet he is the one who will lay down his rights in order to sacrifice himself for his people. He is the lowly one that Ezekiel was talking about, the suffering servant. You see, Jesus using the son of man is reminding us that he is truly the servant king. But the disciples missed what he was saying. They missed what he was saying, and rather than ask Jesus about it, they choose to brush off his comments about his death and resurrection. They were afraid, it seems. You see, and I can't fault them. Uh, Though they had just seen Jesus reveal himself in greater fullness, and they were beginning to see the outside edges of Jesus as Messiah, And so as he reveals uh, himself on the mountaintop, they're getting this revelation of the glory of God. You see, Jesus is pointing toward the fullness of his mission. 
when he brings back the disciples, uh, brings their attention back to his death, burial, and resurrection. You see, he's pointing them to the cross, and they were still stuck on the mountain. They couldn't get over what they had just seen and were ignoring the fact that Jesus was saying, look what's to come. And the text says they were afraid to ask, and perhaps that's because they were thinking that who could be the one that would ever hurt the one who was just revealed to them? Who could dare to challenge the one who the glory of God rested upon? Who could dare to challenge the one that could cast out demons? Who would, uh, who would challenge the one uh, who had power over death and disease? And we don't know exactly if that's what they were thinking, but we can see where their minds went next. So Jesus tells them that he's going to die, he's gonna be buried, and that he's gonna raise again after three days. And all the disciples can do as they leave Galilee and head to Capernaum is they start arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Their pride got in the way. They couldn't see Jesus' mission clearly because they had been blinded by his greatness. And here's how this would have played out. The disciples would have walked behind Jesus. None of them would have dared to walk with their teacher side by side, but rather they would have followed behind him. And in this case, it seems they might have been a little bit further behind than normal. And they begin to argue like school kids. Literally, this is the image that, that is being brought to mind. If you have ever spent time around little ones or if you remember, remember back to your school days, I would bet there was a time when you were in line with your teacher and teacher was at the front and you were at the back with your friends and you had an argument. You decided that you were gonna make the, the bold claim that you were the fastest runner that you were the best basketball player, that you were the coolest, whatever it was that you argued about, you and your friends were going back and forth. Can you, you get that image in your head? And then think about it. Inevitably, the teacher turns around and makes eye contact with you. And you're like, oh man, now I'm in for it. You see, Jesus does something a little bit different though. He knows what they've done and he knows that they've been talking, but instead of correcting the disciples in the middle of the road, he waits till they get to the house they are going to stay at. And he subtly asks the disciples, what were you discussing on the way? And Jesus, being Jesus, already knows, but the disciples don't respond. There's crickets. No one says anything. And then Jesus sits down and calls his disciples to himself. And this action was not one of a road-weary traveler, but was and is to us still an indication that he was getting ready to teach. You see, when he sits down, when Mark declares that he sat down and called the disciples to himself, he said, uh, I've got something to tell you. He could have made the statement standing up, uh, but as he sits down, he's indicating, I'm speaking out of my position of authority as teacher. It's time for you to listen. And this is what he tells the disciples. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. You see, he's reminding them. He is the servant king, and they are to be like him willing to serve the least of all people in order to make sure that they know the love of the Father. 
And to illustrate the point even further, here's what he does. It says, and he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. You see, if you have the the image in your head, uh, here's Jesus sitting and the disciples are around him and there's a child in their uh, midst, somewhere on the periphery, and he calls the little one over. And he doesn't just call him over and and ask him to to stay there. Jesus embraces him. Uh, The language that you says that he was brought into the crook of his arm. As a dad, I imagine holding one of my boys and then continuing to talk. It happens uh, as I teach our youth downstairs sometimes that one of my boys will come up to me uh, and I'll hold them uh, as I'm teaching. Never to make a point, but just because that's my response as a father. And Jesus is now using this child uh, as an illustration to his disciples. You see, Jesus takes one who was most vulnerable in society a boy of no older than 12, and brings him into the sphere of his protection and influence. He embraces the boy and says, be like a child as he looks at his disciples. You see, this is not a comment about the purity of the boy, for scripture reminds us that there is no one good apart from God. This little one had nothing good about him other than the fact that Jesus was loving him in this moment. Rather, this is a reminder that just as children are utterly dependent on their parents, we too must approach God knowing that we are utterly dependent upon him. So the point of these passages is that we would be reminded that we must approach God with a proper understanding of our relationship to him. He is God and we are not. We can do nothing to earn his favor We are utterly helpless, and yet God loves us. He sent his son on our behalf. He came and lived the life that we could not and bore a death that was not his to bear. He satisfies the wrath of God through his death on the cross and seals its permanence with his victory over the grave. And then he looks to each and every one of us and offers a scandalous exchange your sin for his grace. You don't need to do anything other than to accept it. He's got the rest. He stands in on our behalf and silences the boast of grave and shuts the mouth of sin when it tries to lay claim on us over and over again. This is what he did. This is why it matters that he was truly the son of man, the one who would walk with and serve the lowly and yet be the almighty one the one who has power over all creation. This is powerful news for you and I. We have a God who is working on our behalf, not waiting to yell, gotcha. He's not waiting for you to mess up. He is perfect in his action on our behalf. His actions on our behalf are perfect and permanent. Nothing can take them away. And this means two things for us we get to live in the light of his liberating us from death. We live knowing that we are saved from death and we can move forward confidently knowing it is never about what we do, but always about what he has done. And two, 
we get to take part in this mission. We join with Christ in demonstrating God's love to a watching world. How do we do this? We follow the same pattern as Jesus. We declare and reveal his glory to everyone we can. And in tandem, we actively demonstrate the love of God to them. This means that we must marry both our heart and head together. Listen to how one pastor put it. He asked the question, are you merciful? Why? Because Jesus healed the sick, because Jesus fed the multitudes, because Jesus gave legs to the crippled, because Jesus granted sight to the blind, because Jesus opened the ears of the deaf, because Jesus found prostitutes and tax collectors and drew them into the sphere of his love, because Jesus touched the untouchable and loved the unlovable and forgave the unforgivable and welcomed the undesirable, and because Jesus even now saves the, us even though we are otherwise unsavable. Why? Because they deserve it? No. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done in righteousness, not because we met him halfway, not because we took the proper step forward and then good faith have elevated ourselves to the place of the deserving poor, but according to his mercy. We are here because Jesus Christ did not say with cold indifference, give them what they deserve. They brought it on themselves. Jesus Christ is the mercy of God and seeing us in our misery and need, he doesn't just feel for us. He takes the necessary action to relieve our distress. He leaves the eternal glory of heaven and the perfect fellowship of the Trinity. He condescends to us, lives among us, suffers like us, dies for us. Do you understand this? Have you experienced this? How then is it possible to experience it and not display it? It isn't possible. If you haven't experienced it, you do not display it. The evidence of God's mercy in your life isn't determined by how much theology you know, by how many books you've read, but by your active goodness to people in misery and in need. You see, that pastor had it right that's marrying the heart to the head, letting that which you know here overflow out of here. You see, uh, when they come together, my knowledge of God absolutely pushes me forward to act more like his son. So here's the challenge. In light of all of this, in seeing Christ's mercy and his mission to be a servant king, go and love your neighbors this week. Reach out to those in need. Share some of what you have with those who might need it. This moment we are in is perhaps the greatest opportunity any of us will have to let our faith naturally flow out to our neighbors. We have what others need, not just physically, but more importantly, spiritually. You want to be great spiritually? Make much of the Messiah and serve the way that he did. Put yourself in positions of service regardless of your station. This becomes much easier when we remind ourselves that Jesus was not a man but the Messiah the one who has power over death, disease, and nature. He is the servant king, and we are his ambassadors, and our call is the same as his. Serve everyone.
in this current climate, our opportunities to serve are greater than we have ever experienced. It can be a simple act of sharing toilet paper because your neighbor has none. It could be someone going and shopping for uh, one of those in the most vulnerable uh, categories. Maybe the elderly person uh, who is your neighbor. Maybe it's the one who you just happen to work with and you know uh, that they're in that at-risk category. Whatever it is, we can serve everyone as we walk through this. As long as we consider them greater than ourselves, as we see them the way Christ would have and reach out to them in the midst of their distress, in their misery, and in their need. You see, we truly do have a servant king. Mark has made much of the Messiah in the transfiguration, and then he points us to the fact that he would lower himself and die the death that he did not deserve. Philippians 2 declares uh, that in the moment he he died a, a death, even death on a cross, there was nothing more shameful than that that they could think of. And so they elevate the cross and say, even the cross was not enough to shame him because he used it for his glory. His glory was not fully revealed on the mountaintop, uh, but on the cross. And he calls us to glory with him. He calls us to glory uh, where other people might feel shame that we would go and serve. That when others would say, how, how could you lower yourself to that position? Uh, we would say it's because we serve the way our king does. That's the kingdom I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a kingdom uh, that loves others m- better than they love themselves. Because if each and every one of us is looking out to others' needs, here's what that means. I'm looking out to your needs and you're looking out to my needs. And if we truly are doing this thing the way Christ would have us, our, our needs are met anyways. That's why marriage is such a powerful example when it's good. Uh, that we would serve the other, uh, that we would not elevate our needs above the other, that we would take care of them. And so as we look at this passage, would you join the servant king and be his ambassador? Would you choose to serve the God of mercy, the one who offers us a scandalous exchange of grace for sin? Would you be willing to join with him and to serve each and every person you come across? Would you practice it in your homes as you self-isolate? Would you practice it uh, as you uh, reach out to neighbors? Would you practice it as you share in community on Facebook and Instagram and whatever other platform you might have? Would you use each and every opportunity to love someone better uh, than they deserve to be loved? Because it's what Christ has done for us. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, in the coming days and uh, the weeks and months that are to follow as, uh, as our nation and our, as our world is, is trying to recover from uh, this pandemic, God, would you give our leaders just great insight into how they should lead? Lord, would you give them uh, just the wisdom and discernment that they need to make the decisions that would be best for each and every one of us? Lord, would we as a church truly be a church? 
would we demonstrate what it looks like to lock arms together and to serve those in need? Would we declare you at every moment, not just with our our knowledge, not just with our mouth, but with our active goodness to those who you have put in front of us? Would we reach out the way that you would reach out? God, would this be a week that would uh, mark us moving in step with your son? Would we follow the path of the servant king? And would we walk behind him, but would we not delay? Would we not be far enough back that we might not get caught saying something we ought not, but would we be so close to him that we would catch the dust off of his feet? Lord, be with us as we go this morning. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. In your name we pray, amen.